Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Not yet. No. No. Freebird still belongs only to David Schuster. No, we found somebody else it belongs to. And Leonard when Skinner. David Schuster sits in for you next week, we'll try to have the guy on who just discovered Leonard Skinner and Freebird. And there's a video that has a million, has almost two million hits that this guy has just, wow, you guys heard this song? We got to go to the, these guys got it. Well, I'm sorry. People died in 77. They really don't <laughs> exist anymore. Hi, David. Hey, guys. Um, first, let's get this out of the way. Uh, very important. The clock is working today at Wrigley Field. For those that were in attendance or maybe even watching on TV yesterday, you might have noticed that the clock yesterday on the scoreboard was stuck at high noon yesterday. Oh. And that's the first time I've been coming here for a long, long time. First time I've ever seen the clock not work here at Wrigley Field. Well, I don't know what, uh, you know, engineers or electricians they got working on it, but it's worked today. I think what they actually did is just went down to one of the drugstores and got a couple of AAA batteries. So the clock is working today. I just had to get that out of well, the way. Well, at least it would have been right twice a day, which is more than Mike Quaddy could say <laughs> when he was in that ballpark. So, All right, David Schuster joins us on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline. Alpamonte Ford, 500 new and used vehicles to choose from. So the Cubs have go, chosen to go with a lineup. Jason Hayward, remarkably, atop the lineup for the second straight day. Castellanos is batting second, playing left field. Mm-hmm. He's actually going to face a left-hander. The reason he was brought in, and he was brought in because Albert Amora sucks against left-handers. Brian at third, batting third. Rizzo batting fourth and playing first. Baez at short. Contreras uh, catching. Almora in the lineup in center field, batting seventh. David Bodie eighth. And Cole Hamels is restored to the roster. He is starting. Brad Brock was DFA'd. It's perfect. They told the appropriate guy to walk. And now he's <laughs> walking. So what do you what have you gathered? We have our lineup. What have you gathered from all the pregame talk and why this why this is happening? All right, a lot of things, actually. First of all, Castellanos, yes, he's in against the left-hander today, and, and obviously that's one of the many reasons why they picked him up because he's got like a 345 batting average uh, against left-handers. But you're going to see him against uh, both righties and lefties, whether he plays right field or left field or maybe even periodically at third base. You're going to see him pretty much on an everyday basis. It's, in- it's interesting. We talked to Castellanos before the game today, and one of the things that I made mention to him is he, you know, he looks like he plays like the Tasmanian Devil. I know he's got this constant energy about him, all-out hustle. Uh, you, you, you might have seen that on display when he was trying to steal third base against the shift yesterday, and and actually the Brewers were smart enough to pick it up at the last minute, and he was tagged out at third base. But he does have like this infectious energy about him. At least I thought he did, and and I think he actually does. 
but he says he's a good actor. He's not always he's not always able to give out a hundred percent. You know, he says you know being being a player playing 162 games sometimes he just basically got to fake it. Other things that came out in today's and and you might have noticed from yesterday's game that Brandon Kinsler, you know, the umpire stopped the game and and they wanted to check his glove and. It, it caught everybody off guard initially, and, and people thought, well, was he doctoring the glove? Does he have some kind of substance on it? And, and we knew, because I was actually down in the dugout at that point, ready to go on the field, that you know, the umpires, or maybe it was one of the Brewer hitters, or maybe even from their dugout, was complaining about the color of his glove. He was using a gray glove, and uh, he has two gloves. One of them is gray, very close to being black, and the other one is just pure jet black, and apparently... Somebody complained about it, and they took away that glove, and he had to use his other one. So he was blaming uh, the glove company for sending him the wrong glove. So those are some of the things that came out, besides Brad Brock, again, being DFA today. And some of the comments by some of the fans on, on Brad Brock, I know he didn't pitch very well here, but some of the comments by the fans were pretty darn vicious. Where? The, 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 fans talking to you at the ballpark, you mean? No, on the on the message boards, you know, responding on Twitter or wherever else, social social media. I mean, they they basically are blaming Brad Brock for all the Cub ills, and I don't think he'd be just the only guy who's had some poor moments, especially out of that bullpen. But boy, oh boy, some of those comments were really vicious against him. He I averaged six point four walks per nine innings. He not gets good. what he deserves. Yeah, no, it, that's he, awful. He he had he had not been good, and I know he'd been hurt but he'd also been uh, it's seemingly a little bit intimidated but it's it's not on him you know what he is he's an emblem of the two consecutive horrific offseason signings mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. you're t- talking about and maybe darvish won't end up being horrific overall but morrow woof chatwood for the most part woof mm-hmm. although I, I i admire him and what he's done to get back and he should be trusted even more but Descalso, woof. Mm-hmm. Brad Brock, woof. So it's, I mean, it's, I mean, the, the, the Descalso DFA, if he ever comes off the injured list, they might as well DFA him too. That's, that's at least a possibility, especially if or when uh, Zobris is activated. Yeah. That, that's at least a possibility. Time will tell on that one. Zobris, obviously everybody knows by now he went 0 for 3 last night. He, he did have one walk. He also had a strikeout, a couple of flyouts. There's nothing to be made out of that, and there's no really further information. Time will just tell on what happens with Ben Zobris going down the road. Well, Brad Brock, uh, not necessary anymore because David Phelps can have some of the you know, um, the, the non-high-leverage situations that Brad Brock was getting. So they've gotten David Phelps, who I think they want to check out and see if they like him. And Rowan Wick has been terrific. Mm-hmm. He was yeah, terrific he again yesterday. First and third, nobody out in the seventh inning. That's a big spot. That's that middle closer spot, and I love it. So now we know if he's not going to be the eighth inning guy, because that apparently is probably still going to be C-Sheck and or Kinsler mm-hmm. and maybe Strope if he ever comes back and, and, and no, can throw hard again. No. But anyway, if Rowan Wick is going to be your trusted middle closer, he's that your, first guy to come Adam, in. Andrew Miller. Yeah, I, well, or he's what, it's what Justin Grimm was a, a few years ago, what Carl Edwards was when he was throwing well. If that's Rowan Wick, I'm fine with that. Joe Madden is impressed and comfortable with him, isn't he? Very, very, very comfortable. I, I got to go back to Brock just for a second because Madden, who never has really too much of a disparaging word other than maybe the one time against Addison Russell, he did say that Brock ran into some tough luck. Yes, he did have some arm problems going all the way back to spring training. At certain junctures, not many, obviously, he did throw the ball well, but in the long run, obviously, as you mentioned, the walks and, and, and the ERA. But he did say about Brock that he ran into tough luck. As far as Wick, 
Yeah, very impressed. I mean, and the Cubs were impressed with him going all the way back to spring training. And here's a guy who got an opportunity, mostly because other guys fell on their face. Mm -hmm. But here's a guy who got an opportunity and has run with it. And if they had any kind of decision making going into, uh, you know, the roster move today before yesterday, I think Wick put that to sleep because he had another good outing again yesterday. David Schuster's our guest. He's at Wrigley, Cubs and Brewers for the second game. It's Hamels against left-handers, Hamels against Gio Gonzalez, and Nick Castellanos, Nicholas Castellanos gets to bat against the left-hander, the reason he was brought in here. The one thing, of everything that was celebrated yesterday, Jose Quintana doing what he's supposed to do, with what he historically done against the Brewers, and you had Hayward lead off of the home run, and you had Baez with a home run, and you had one of the things they did really well that they had not been able to do is tack on runs, add on runs. That's what that lineup did yesterday. And maybe everything works because they're at home, but it was nice to see that they, if it can restore any kind of confidence for the road, that they can do this. Tacking on runs, adding to the lead, I thought was a huge part of it in the middle innings, that it didn't reduce the bullpen to hold your water time. Well, their last couple of runs came in on fielder's choice RBIs, but it really doesn't make a difference. as your friend. Yeah, I mean, as long as you get the guy to touch home plate, you know, as opposed to getting into the batter's box, you just go around the bases and touch home plate. So they did that a couple of times. Uh, I thought another thing that was really key yesterday, and maybe you guys noticed it as well, Anthony Rizzo is as good a player as he is. I think he's underrated defensively. He made about four really good plays at first base yesterday, three of them on throws by Chris Bryant. I mean, he has saved so many errors to the infielders, specifically Chris Bryant, and I thought he was really, really good yesterday. Quintana, they were hoping to get one more inning out of him, but he ran into problems in the seventh inning yesterday. But overall, he certainly did his job once again against Milwaukee, and it'll be interesting to see what Hamels does today. All right, so Almora's in, Bodie's in. Um, Ian Happ is going to be a pinch hitter. Every Bodie's in. Right? I mean, Ian Happ is going to be an occasional pinch hitter. And it's like he and Victor Caratini, uh, when Contreras is starting, will be the guys sitting on the end of the bench. Uh, And you got two switchies there. So that that works out pretty well. All of a sudden, this roster makes all the sense in the world, doesn't it, David? Yeah, you know, i got to give Theo Epstein some credit here. I mean, I've been sort of critical of some of the moves that he did or did not make going into this season. And and it's still not, you know, totally 100% uh, healthy roster. But he made moves at the trading deadline to fill some holes that obviously the Cubs had. And you can't say the same thing about either Milwaukee or St. Louis. They nope. basically sat on their hands here at the deadline. So Theo Epstein does deserve some credit here. David, did you see a movie? I did see a movie. I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Ooh, I've been I waiting wanna, for you to I see this one. I want to see that. Yeah, so what did you think? Well, and my and my okay, thought it sucked. <laughs> I didn't, uh, don't jump to conclusions. I am just saying in the plateau, or I should say, uh, the totem pole of uh, Tarantino movies. It's it's not even close to being my favorite. Uh, Pulp F- Fiction is my favorite, and Glorious Bastards, Reservoir Dogs, Django Unchained, Hateful Eight, and Kill Bill in that order. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it was good. Don't get me wrong. It's very long for what it's worth. Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio and Margot Robbie and Al Pacino, they all do a really good job. It's just a little bit different kind of Tarantino movie. It, it, it lacks the overall violence, if that's what you're into, of a Tarantino movie. Good acting by those parts. They're basically interweaving a couple of stories, uh, a washed-up actor, basically a washed-up actor in DiCaprio and his stuntman best pal in Brad Pitt. And then they also have the Manson family murders 
and they obviously take liberty with with what happened, you know, with that and sort of intersplice it into the movie, much like they did in Inglorious Bastards, where they're, you know, basically killing Hitler in that movie. So they do change reality. It's just not one of my favorite movies, especially a Tarantino movie. Well worth seeing, but uh, he's made so many great movies, I just don't put it in the great category. I say we lock up David in a warehouse with Michael Madsen and just give Michael Madsen <laughs> a razor blade. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. <laughs> How about Jackie Brown? Didn't even get a Jackie mention Brown on your totem pole. Jack, well, Jackie Brown is in is in uh, in the top seven or eight, but uh, yeah. I think those other ones were even more so for me. Could you All please right, go Mr. home and Mr. immediately Mr. carve a Tarantino totem pole? Totem pole, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's what time? They're playing at three o'clock, by the way, at Lollapalooza. Tarantino totem yeah. pole. I love those guys. All right, thank you, Mr. Pink. We appreciate your contribution. See you next. I'll week. see you next week, Rosie. All right. You can't be Mr. Black. Mr. Black. There's another guy on another job. Why are you, Mr. White? All right, uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, you have a list for me, and I have a I question do. for you as the show's urban ear. You are urban ear Matthew Spiegel. Hmm. I have a question for you, All right. and uh, we'll do that uh, after this. Rosenblum and Spiegel, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Saturday Suckage, Steve Rosenblum, Matt Spiegel with you. Taking up to Cubs pregame at 1245. Doug Zabin will be here. Cubs and Brewers game two of their weekend series. The Cubs are back to looking like a baseball team now. So, you said you had a list for me, sir. What were you doing at age 20? Where were you at age 20, sir? Well, I was age 20. 20-year-old 20 Steve Rosenblum. Was it, That was 1976, so I was celebrating uh, America's bicentenary. And um, and you were you were essentially Mark Wahlberg in, in Boogie Nights in the early part of Boogie Nights, right? I, I was in the area he was in. Uh-huh. I was I was not highly recruited the way he was for his <laughs> for his wonderful equipment and for his talents. Were you washing dishes at a discotheque? I was not. At twenty, I was. Where the hell was I? I was in college. I was working at a radio station. Okay, and probably working at the pizza joint then. All right. I was sticking my fingers in pizza rolling machines and getting disability. Oh, I did that. What? Those, see those big rollers? They, they put the pizza dough through. You shouldn't look away while you're shoving the dough in because oh. then you have to go to the hospital. Oh. People aren't believing that blood is tomato sauce. They know it's Reminds blood. me of a terrible joke that I probably shouldn't tell. Okay. Well, All right. don't sacrifice our license. So at 20. So at 20, I was... Um, 
I was uh, in college. I was doing some uh, some sports casting in college. I thought you were doing some bud. I, well, I certainly doing was. Some bud, doing little, some flower. Little radio, little TV, little acid, little, <laughs> little Tetris. <laughs> and uh, going to 25, 30 Red Sox games a year. Okay. Um, but anyway, at age 20, Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals is in the midst of his second consecutive absolutely stellar season. Yes, he is. In fact, if you look at the numbers, at the production of Juan Soto this year and last year, that it is freakishly, remarkably similar so far. The OPS is incredibly similar right now. Right now the home runs are, but you know, he could he could go higher than that. Obviously, but it's a 923 OPS last year, a 928 OPS this year. 22 homers and 70 ribs last year, 21 homers and 71 ribs this year. It's freakishly similar. And the man at 20. At 20. And he's this good. So if we were to go by a certain stat, and I'll grant you that the fine folks over at MLB.com are the ones who did this. Weighted runs created plus is what they went with. And we could spend a lot of time here and and tell you that, but it's, let me just tell you that it take runs created and they adjust it for the most important external factors like ballpark and era. So weighted runs created plus is a nice way to level historically um, you know, different eras and ballparks and measuring guys. And, okay? and the height of the seams on a ball. Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> All of that stuff. So through the age of 20, Juan Soto, who's not yet 21, is the, has the second greatest career of anybody through the age of 20. Through the age of 20? Uh-huh. Which is not a very long career. No, it isn't. But this list There's is only one person better. One person better than Juan Soto through the age of 20 in the history of baseball. There are three teenage sensations that first come to mind. Every time there's a young baseball player question, I always come up with three names. I see now, I, and I figured, and some of those names always come into my head as well, and they are, of course, on this list. So okay. that's why I figured this could be a conversation. The, th- the three th- names I have are Junior Griffey. Uh, Griffey, not here. Well, then it's a bad list. Um, Al Kaline. Uh, Al Kaline, not here. That is a horrible list. And the original bonus baby, Mel Ott. Mel Ott is number one. Okay. So. Mel, Mel Ott is absolutely number he's one. The, yeah, because he's the, of all the... Did you, can you believe we have to go far, so far back with this teenage yeah. stuff? Mel Ott is always the barometer there. Well, K-Line is a great call because he finished third in Rookie of the Year at age 19. He finished yes, second. Yes, that would be good. That seems to me that's a good, he created some runs, I'm guessing. He finished second in MVP at age 20. Third in MVP at age 21. That's a hell of a start for Al K-Line's career. By the and way, he's Al, not on your list. Not, not on my list. Mel Ott is number one. Juan Soto is number two. By the way, speaking of Al K-Line, his name came up on the broadcast yesterday. You know why on the Cubs broadcast? No. Because uh, number six, uniform number six. Oh, Nick Castellanos. Has he played in Detroit. And has been mentored by Al K-Line quite a bit. And couldn't wear it there because Al K-Line's number is out on the wall. It's about 800 feet away where you have to hit a home run. But he's wearing it here. So And his son turned six correct. the day he made his debut. So, no, no, no Al K-Line. But Melot, number one. Juan Soto, number two. Who mm-hmm. else of the youngsters? I, I'm so lost on this because I don't... 
it never made a big deal about age. I just remember those, yeah. those are the three names I always think of. I, I, Mickey Mantle always comes up for me. And Mickey, okay. Mickey Mantle's third on this list. Okay, I'll buy that. So Mel Ott, Juan Soto, Mickey Mantle. And Mantle finished third in the MVP at age 20 as well. Um, so Mel Ott, Juan Soto, Mickey Mantle, Ty Cobb. See, I never think of age with him. Me just, neither. Just racism. Um, a Rod is one, two, three. Is the six is number six on this list? Yeah, I guess so. A Rod deserves. I, 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 not regrettably forget him. I intentionally forget him in in all of these discussions. And number five is a guy who had his career derailed because he got hit in the eye with a pitch. Tony C. Tony Canigliaro yeah. hit, hit Jack the, Hamilton. Hit him in the. Yes, I remember that. At age twenty-two, he was hit in the eye by Never Jack recovered. Hamilton. And he only, it, it was never, ever the same. That's age that was 22. Angels, right? Angels pitcher Jack Hamilton. Yes, I remember I was, I was a kid reading the newspaper, and that was, that was Angels the next day out mm-hmm. in L.A. Like, oh. uh, Tony Canigliaro led the American League in home runs at the age of 20 with 32 homers in 1965. And Tony C. might have, who knows what, what he might have become. But there's, that's how good Juan Soto has been at the beginning of his career for the Washington Nationals. Now that's, he might not that's be. That's a nice group when Mel Ott's above you, but Mickey Mantle's below you, and Ty Cobb and Alex Rodriguez <laughs> and Tony Canigliaro. That's a good. Start. It's a pretty good group. That's um, a good start. Now, granted, he might be twenty-seven as far, <laughs> as, far as we know. I mean, you see, you look at that guy. You're like, uh-huh. What's yeah, your name? No, 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 really. What's yeah, your name? What's your name? <laughs> and yeah. how old are you? Yeah. Really. <laughs> All right. Oh, so God. I have a question for you, Urban Air. First, we're going to play this. Trade deadline this week. Marcus Stroman inexplicably traded from the Blue Jays to the Mets. Seriously. Nobody understands that. I, I, I have a theory on it if you want okay. it. But, but this ahead. popped up in the course of the news of the day and people doing their their Twitter research and online and, and interwebs research yeah. on Marcus Stroman. This clip from Figure It Out, Nickelodeon's brilliant show, with heartthrob Summer Sanders, swoon, asking kids. It was sort of a what's my line style show. Okay. And sometimes you got green slime dropped on you. Oh, yeah. I, I, you can't do that on television. And it, this was the smartest. No, it was called Figure It Out. Oh, okay. She did the show. The green slime was on from You Can't oh, Do That, I think. okay. Well, anyways, she did this show and, and what they would do. And she'll run this up. As sometimes an audience member, we get a special prize. So here's the clip that came across this week. Before we start round number two, we're going to give a randomly selected studio audience member a chance to win something, too. And today's lucky audience member is Mark Us Stroman. Mark Us. That's right. Give him a big hand. Stands up in that clip. He's very proud. That's like a, I don't know, eight-year-old, ten-year-old Marcus Stroman on Nickelodeon. So I have another Nickelodeon question. Are you a SpongeBob SquarePants kind of guy? Uh, I never was, but the Rubester, my spawn, is an occasional SpongeBob guy. So you've watched. Yes. Because I watched a lot of the Nickelodeon shows with my kids, and it was... um, whether it was Clarissa explains it all, and and all those, and especially figure it out because I love Summer Sanders. So I learned about this event from um, Alyssa, my physical therapist, the Princess of Pain. Okay, there's a place called Replay Lincoln Park. You, as an urbaneer, might have heard of this. It's on Sheffield. What's it called? Replay in Lincoln Park. Okay, Replay. They have TV pop up bars, and through tomorrow. 
And tonight apparently is the big blowout. It is a SpongeBob SquarePants pop-up. Wow. Where guests are invited to hang out at the Salty Spittoon with all of SpongeBob's underwater pals with art installations, and they'll be serving real Krabby Patties. That's tremendous. As part of the experience, Replay will host a Sweet Victory Flash Mob, Krusty Krab Talent Show, Bikini Bottom Summer Shindig, and more. That alone will attract people. I, I am unfamiliar with all of the SpongeBob things, but... She had said that they had held a like, it's it. Other television shows have been replayed there, and they've set up these pop ups at this place. As an urbaneer, are you familiar with this? Do no. You frequent these things? Replay? No, I, I have not. Or any other place that does this? Well, I mean, there's a million. There's a million really good arcades these days. You know. There, I mean, there, there's there's the granddaddy of them all is probably the Galloping Ghost, which is just a tremendous arcade. But I, I think that's outside city limits. But Emporium Arcade, yeah, there's I've a few of them now the to go are... there and just, you know, I'm, I'm, just I'm... play the old school video games forever. Okay. I just, I heard about that. I said, wait, you're going to, and she's the right age, as our producer Stifler is, uh-huh. to have done the SpongeBob SquarePants. But I don't know that I would have gone to... Like if I were to do it in my time zone, as Hawk Harrelson would say, if I were to go to a Brady Bunch, a heckle and Jekyll, no, I'd go to Brady Bunch. If there was going to be Martha Marsha Brady there, she was one of the heart. It was Marsha Brady and Lori Partridge, and it was always Samantha and Jeannie, and it was always Ginger and Marianne. I don't know why this conversation reminds me of uh, former White Sox third baseman Bill Melton. But it, but <laughs> yes, it sure it does. Because well, I said Jeannie. <laughs> Jeannie's the magic. You ain't never had a friend like me. You're right. <laughs> Bill, when you're mentioning Jeannie, you mean, I ain't never had a friend like that. Uh, so I have a list for you, by the way. Oh, okay. Can, I, can we do this before yeah, we go? Yeah, we, we, got, we got time to do all kinds of stuff. Cody uh, Bellinger of the Dodgers. By, by the way, l- let, me, let me tell you this yes. real quick. Marcus Stroman debuts for the Mets later on tonight. Um, a 2.96 ERA, the best of his career. And did you see, among other things that, that surfaced this week, do you see the picture of like a seven-year-old Marcus Stroman wearing a Mets hat? He yes. Tw- he tweeted it out himself. Yes, he did. That's, so that's, that's pretty cool. Right. And, and, and I wanted to tell you real quick my theory on why the Mets did that. Bring it. Because Brody Van Wagenen, the agent turned general manager, uh-huh. was trying to show everybody that he's got this trade deadline figured out. Every front office in baseball was confused and did not know what to do. As Theo said with Mully and Hall the other day, every team had their own idea of what this single deadline meant for the marketplace. So they went out and got Marcus Stroman thinking, now I will be controlling the market. I've got Stroman. I've got Syndergaard. I've got Wheeler. Come to me. Let's go make some plays. Let's go make some trades. And he wanted to show his geniusness and got completely and utterly screwed. So the worst thing he ends up with is a good top three of starting rotation next year. Yeah, that's true. I have no idea what else he can do with his team. But he gave up two pitching prospects to do it. And I don't know what else he can do with this team either. Yes, Okay, well, I'm I'm interested to see how this plays out because nobody, we won't know for maybe a year what mm. the one trade deadline means, how it's going to play out, right? So I yeah. give, I give him marks for for trying. The worst thing you end up with is a solid starting pitcher, unless he yeah. he goes all Zach Grinky in a big city on you. There, that's a problem. You don't know Marcus Stroman's going to do that or not. Uh, Cody Bellinger, fourth player in MLB history to hit 100. Or more homers mm-hmm. and draw two hundred 
or more walks in his first three seasons. Hmm. There are three other players. His first three seasons, hit 100 homers, drew 200 walks. Three players, one is active. Trout. No. His teammate, though. Pujols. Yes. So hit 100 homers and draw 200 at walks. At least 100 homers, at least 200 walks first three seasons. Over over the, the course of the first three seasons. Wow. Um, I never would have gotten this. That's a, it's a hell never, of a start. Yes, never would have gotten this. Ralph Kiner? Oh, yeah, Kiner. I never would have gotten Ki- this. Kiner is one of the most. Is he on the kids list that you had no, there? No, but, but, uh, but Kiner hit 50 homers twice yes. in a year. Kiner had a home run to at bat ratio that rivaled Mark McGuire. You know, Kiner is one of the, he's an underrated slugger historically. Yeah. Underappreciated yeah. slugger historically. And Eddie Matthews. Eddie Matthews. Eddie Matthews is the other guy on the list. Kiner Matthews Pujols, 100-plus home, run, 100 home runs, 200-plus walks in his first three seasons. And again, Cody Bellinger, like earlier in the season, we talked about some place that put him in the same sentence as Stan Musial. Right. <laughs> I mean, the juice baseball or the seamless baseball mm-hmm. has a habit of doing that. And I, Friday I, was the anniversary, by the way. I did not want to let this go. Friday yeah. was the anniversary of Pudge tagging out two Yankees at home plate. <laughs> 1985. See, I'm surprised that you did not bring me to the Dodgers all-time strikeout list. Because Clayton uh-huh. Kershaw passed Sandy Koufax. We don't admit on that. this list. Nobody's better than the the boy chick. But you've the got bar mitzvah boys. Hall of Famer Don Sutton number one. Hall of Famer Don Drysdale number two. Um, future Hall of Famer Clayton Kershaw number three. Hall of Famer Sandy Koufax number four. Followed by Dazzy Vance and Fernando Valenzuela. That's a hell of a list. That's nice. A good good list to yeah. be on. Kershaw yes. Kershaw certainly. Warranted that, and we don't admit to that. I'm sorry. All right, so so, so now he's the he's leads the Dodgers left-handers in strikeouts because you said Sutton, Sutton and, and Drysdale. Drysdale. That's absolutely true. Yeah. So the new new guys debuting tonight. Um, Aaron Sanchez will debut in Houston. He absolutely has the stink of somebody who's going to go there and immediately begin to dominate. That that the fact that they got three of the top five guys in WHIP this year. That yeah. rotation. I, I just tweeted a video. Any playoff series. Uh-huh. Good luck. I just tweeted a video of Verlander and Greinke in the dugout last night, and Verlander is showing Greinke something. That's not good. About That's a, not good a, a grip the Yankees, the and Red a release Sox. point. It looks like a curve, but I don't know. Maybe they're just talking. It's not like Greinke has a lot to learn. But whatever he there is to learn from Verlander, Granke will learn it because he's freaking brilliant. Well, you didn't think Roy oh. Halladay had much to learn. And in the Hall of Fame, of, of all the things that went to the Hall of Fame, yeah. uh, that, that, uh, that there was, I'm sorry, you didn't think Mariano Rivera had much to learn. But there was, they, they traded that, wait a minute, whose was it? The baseball went into the Hall of Fame mm. where there were ballpoint pen lines on where the fingers were held. I guess it was, was it Holiday's? No, I can't. Holiday's Cutter. Or it might have been the other way around. Bottom of the hour is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves, your Western Conference champion. Chicago Wolves will open the season on Saturday, October 5th. For group and season tickets, visit ChicagoWolves.com. And was brought to you by Gerber Collision Glass. When do you get it to Gerber? When you back into someone who's backing out, that's when you get it to Gerber. Locations throughout Chicagoland. Visit GerberCollision.com or call 877-7-GERBER to find your nearest Gerber location. I want to thank Grody Schuster, Zach Withers, Sean Anderson, Stifler for producing this show. Cubs baseball is next on Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. Oh, yeah.
it wouldn't have been possible if we weren't here to be told how much we suck. So kudos to you guys for sucking as bad as we do. Oh, yes. Wait, wait a minute, Mr. Post. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. it. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.